following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, April 5th, 2020, on the basis of Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Anytime we build a wall that separates something that we want to protect from everything that might put it in danger, we are very careful to guard those places in the wall where someone could cross from one side to the other. I'm guessing that normally you don't think of them in those terms, but I'm talking about doors. Places in walls where people can cross from one side to the other. And just about every door that we would encounter in life is guarded in some fashion. It might be a lock or a deadbolt. It might be a security system sensor or even a real live human being. And perhaps out of all the doors that we very carefully guard, one that is right at the top of the list is the front door to our house. We don't just let anyone and everyone come through that door, do we? When I was young, this meant that if someone rang the doorbell, you would look outside the peephole in the door or perhaps take a peek outside the front window to see who was there. Of course, these days our surveillance systems have gotten much more sophisticated with our security cameras and our ring doorbell apps. It seems that with each passing year, we more and more carefully guard that front door to our house and and perhaps for very good reason. Throughout the season of the church year known as Lent, the theme for our worship has been familiar terrain. We've seen how Jesus was willing to leave his footprints over every square inch of this mess of a world that we find ourselves in, both to experience everything we experience and also to pave for us a path out. Well, today we're going to see that the terrain that is familiar to Jesus includes terrain that is very close to home. In fact, you might say that those footprints Jesus has left go all the way up to a front door of sorts. Not the front door of our houses, but the front door of our lives. You see, in order to protect the things that we love, we don't just build physical walls. Sometimes we build figurative walls, too. We wall off certain areas of our life to keep everyone else out, sometimes even including God, Because those are areas of our life where we want to be in charge, where we want to be in control, where we want to be masters of our own domain. And yet, as we're going to see today, Jesus has other ideas. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is about much more than Jesus entering through the walls that surrounded Jerusalem. Jesus very much wants to enter through those walls that we build as well. Jesus shows up at those walls and he says, I want to be king. I want to be in charge. I want to have dominion. It's almost as if Jesus shows up at those walls, rings the front doorbell and says, let me in. And that forces us to ask a very important question. It's the question that you heard in today's psalm. It's the question that you heard in today's gospel. It's really a question that we always ask anytime someone shows up at our front door. Who is it? Who is this Jesus and why would I want him to be my king? Why would I want him to have dominion over every area of my life? Those are questions that need answers because as these verses from Matthew chapter 21 are going to show us today, there is a strange man 
standing at your front door, and he very much wants to come in. It's very clear that Jesus had much more on his mind that day than just entering into the city of Jerusalem. If that's all he wanted to do, he could have done that very easily. But you read these verses, and it's very clear that this entry is nothing if not carefully orchestrated. Every last detail, carefully planned, carefully executed, every last detail contributing to the message that Jesus wanted to send, the message that he was a king. First, there was the choice of his mode of transportation. Jesus rode in on a donkey. Sounds like kind of a a lowly animal to us, but in those days, a donkey would have been an animal very much fit for royalty. You add to that, that Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah that talked about how the Messiah was going to enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and you can see why Jesus made the choice that he did. Then there was also the very deliberate choice of timing. At the time that Jesus entered Jerusalem, there were also these massive crowds of people from Galilee up in the north of Israel who were coming down to Jerusalem in the south for the Passover festival. And up in Galilee, the people loved Jesus. They had seen most of the miracles Jesus had performed. They had heard most of the preaching and teaching he had done. And so it's really no surprise to hear about this red carpet reception that they rolled out for him. But now they were coming to Jerusalem where the Jewish leaders had a very different opinion of Jesus. And so to them, this probably would have seemed sort of like a hostile takeover. In fact, it it kind of resembles the plot line of any number of recent fictional popular stories. A band of rebels from up north descends on the capital city with their heroic leader at the helm. And so it's no wonder that those religious leaders in Jerusalem would have been nervous about this. And in fact, they would have also been nervous that the Roman government would not have been too happy with what was going on. It's no wonder that Matthew tells us that as Jesus arrives, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? They got the message that Jesus wanted to send. Jesus showed up at those walls, rang the doorbell, declared himself a king, and said, let me in. That's very much a message that Jesus still wants to send. As I mentioned, ancient cities aren't the only places where walls get built. We very much like to wall off certain areas of our life so that we can stay in control, so that we can be in charge. We want to be in charge of how we spend our time and how we spend our money. We want to be able to decide the conversations we have with our friends and the things that we do behind closed doors. We want to be in charge of the language that we use and the websites that we visit and the humor that we laugh at. We love to make those little crowns and sit on those little thrones and create those little kingdoms in different areas of our life. But if Palm Sunday makes anything clear, it's that Jesus has other plans. Just as he did in this story, Jesus shows up at those walls, rings the doorbell, and says, let me in. Jesus doesn't just want to be a hobby that we have in our lives. He he doesn't just want to be one more celebrity that we cheer for on TV and follow on our Instagram accounts. No, Jesus wants to be our king. Jesus wants to have dominion over every single nook and cranny of our lives. He wants to have full dominion over every cent that we spend, every second 
that we spend. He wants to have control over every conversation, every text message, every internet search. Wherever we might build one of those walls in our lives, that doesn't mean that Jesus suddenly stays away or steers clear of that ground. No, Jesus very much makes that familiar terrain as well. Jesus shows up right at those walls, rings the doorbell, and says, let me in. Wherever we might build those walls, Jesus is determined to enter in. So what do you think will happen next? When someone who is on one side of a wall wants to cross over to the other side and is met with opposition, what do you think happens next? Well, I'll tell you what happens next. This happens next. It's not just our locks and our deadbolts that we use to guard our walls. Sometimes it's tanks as well. Recently, I've been listening to this podcast that's all about the Cold War, and there was one episode in the podcast that was all about the Berlin Wall. You maybe know that the Berlin Wall was built by the Soviet Union to separate the city of West Berlin from the rest of East Germany all around it. When the Soviet Union started building that wall in 1961, the United States wasn't very happy about it. In fact, in 1961, there was a U.S. diplomat in the city of West Berlin who wanted to cross over to East Berlin to go and see an opera. His name was Alan Leitner. But when he got to the spot where the wall was being built, a spot called Checkpoint Charlie, he was stopped, his car was searched, and he wasn't allowed to go any farther. The United States made it very obvious that this kind of behavior from the Soviet Union would not be tolerated. And so five days later, they decided to send another diplomat to the very same spot where the wall was being built to Checkpoint Charlie. Only this time, there were a few U.S. tanks driving behind that car just as backup. Well, pretty soon, there were also a few Soviet tanks on the other side of the wall facing them. And for the next 24 hours, there they sat fully loaded with live ammunition, ready to go as tensions mounted. When someone is on one side of the wall and wants to cross over to the other side, that's what happens. Sure, maybe not always to that extent, but but think about it. If someone showed up at your front door demanding to be let in, if they would not go away and would not take no for an answer, you might not have a tank in your back pocket, but you would surely marshal together all of the forces at your disposal to try and keep them out. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. That's exactly what we're going to see this coming week. That when Jesus showed up at Jerusalem proclaiming himself a king, the Jewish leaders marshaled all of the forces that they had at their disposal to stand against him. They abandoned their previous plan of not doing anything to Jesus during the Passover festival because so many people were around to see it. They abandoned the rule of law and really any sense of propriety by arresting Jesus under the cover of darkness and convening a kangaroo court for his trial. They even formed a a very strange alliance. They went to the Roman government, the same Roman government that they resented, and wanted to be free from, they made an alliance with to carry out their ultimate aim for Jesus, namely to put him to death. When Jesus showed up at those walls of Jerusalem, demanding to be let in as a king, those religious leaders brought out the big guns. They did everything that they could to make sure that it didn't happen. So that's one side. What happened on the other side? Well, we're going to see that this week as well, but Really, already, Palm Sunday sets the tone. 
Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. And as I mentioned, a donkey was an animal fit for royalty, but only in times of peace. A king would sit on a donkey only after every battle had been won and after every threat had been put down. A king would never ride into battle sitting on a donkey because if a king went into battle sitting on a donkey, that king would be a sitting duck. You've maybe heard the expression that you shouldn't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, if Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, entering into a a gunfight of sorts, not only did he not bring any sort of gun, big or small, he didn't even bring a sword. In fact, when one of his disciples, Peter, wanted to use his sword to try and defend Jesus, Jesus told him to put it away. Friends, this is what makes Jesus so strange. On the one side of the wall, you've got the Jewish leaders marshalling all of their forces to try and stand against Jesus. On the other side of the wall, you've got Jesus entering Jerusalem with both hands tied behind his back. Jesus came to Jerusalem determined to enter in as a king, and yet he came to Jerusalem to lay down his life in order to do it. So why? Why such a strange and unexpected strategy from a king? Well, it turns out that the same one who created the human heart knows how best to conquer it. And as the one who created our hearts, God knows that our hearts cannot just be invaded by force. Instead, our hearts need to be set free. See those walls that we build over certain areas of our life? those walls where we get to wear our little crowns and sit on our little thrones and establish our little kingdoms, those really aren't kingdoms at all. In fact, they're prisons. Those walls separate an area of our life where the the system of government, you might say, is so inferior on one side of the wall compared to what it is on the other side of the wall because the ruler on that side of the wall is so inferior to the ruler on the other side of the wall. In fact, the ruler inside the the little walls that we build is probably not who we think it is. We can easily fool ourselves into thinking that we're in charge, thinking that we're in control over those areas of our life that we protect. The reality, of course, is that the things that we're we're trying to protect are probably controlling us. Those walls that we build put us in prison, which means that we need a king, not who's going to bulldoze those walls in order to invade by force, but a king who's going to bulldoze those walls so that we can be set free. And so Jesus lays down his life in order to do that very thing. You see, just like those Jewish leaders, we are so good at marshalling all of the forces at our disposal to stand against Jesus and to keep him out of those areas of our life. We use our energy and our intellect We use our cunning and our creativity. We even form strange and unexpected alliances of our own and surround ourselves with people who have our back and will always support us all so that we can stay in charge, so that we can stay in control. And so what does Jesus do? How does Jesus respond to that opposition and insubordination? Well, he pays for it. He suffers for it. He dies for it. He pays the penalty so that our sentence can be lifted. In fact, he puts himself in that prison so that we can go free. Sounds like a strange strategy, and yet it's hard to argue with the results. In fact, here we are standing at the doorstep of another Holy Week, 
And even though there is this thing going on in our world that prevents us from gathering together as Christians, nevertheless, all around the world, billions of people this week will acknowledge Jesus as their king. It's pretty hard to argue with the results of this strange strategy from Jesus. In fact, there was a Scottish preacher by the name of James Stewart who once put it this way. He said, The very triumphs of his foes he used for their defeat. He compelled their dark achievements to serve his ends, not theirs. They nailed him to a tree, not knowing that they were bringing the world to his feet. They gave him a cross, not guessing that he would make it a throne. They flung him outside the city gates to die, not knowing that in that very moment they were lifting up the gates of the universe to let the king come in. Friends, as we stand here on the doorstep of another Holy Week, here's what I would love to say to you. I'd love to be able to say it in person, but I'll say it the only way that I can right now. There is a strange man who is standing at your front door, determined to come in. He very much wants to bulldoze every wall that you might use to try and keep him out of every area of your life. But realize that not all the walls that are built are built to keep people out. Some of those walls, like prison walls, are built to keep people in. In fact, that's something that makes the Berlin Wall sort of unique. If you were to look at this map of the Berlin Wall and you didn't know any better, you would no doubt assume that it was built by the people inside to try and keep other people out. The reality, of course, is just the opposite. It was built by the people on the outside to try and keep people in. In fact, it was built because from 1945 to 1961, there were 4.5 million people who tried to escape East Germany by entering West Berlin. And in fact, even after the wall was built, there were more than 100,000 people who tried to get across it, many of whom were were arrested and more than 100 of whom were put to death. And yet, did you know that during the entire 30-year period of time during which that wall stood, there was not one person arrested? Not one person put to death for trying to go the other way. Friends, when conditions on one side of a wall are so inferior to conditions on the other side of the wall, when the ruler on one side of a wall is so inferior to the ruler on the other, then what the people who are trapped by that wall need is not a king who's going to invade and conquer them by force. They need a king who comes to set them free. And friends, that's exactly what Jesus has come to do. And so as we stand here at the doorstep of another Holy Week, yes, there is a strange man standing at your door. But believe me, you're going to want to let him in. Amen.